Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. No days off. I mean, today's my day off, but you know what I mean? I don't know what I mean. That reminds me of like, oh God, I just had a weird like flashbulb memory just sort of like pop in my brain where like three weeks ago or something, I'm at work and I'm checking this fella in and I'm dressed real nice and this really nicely dressed fella shows up and it's just like real smooth and he's real polite and I just stick to the script real tight and just say every phrase of everything, introducing everything real. I just stay very, very professional, almost like borderline robotic, but I'm comfortable with it and, you know, I still say it like a human and I say it with a smile and it's all good, you know. Coffee shows up on the landing upstairs with little lemon-frosted scones and explaining when the quiet hours are and, you know, the whole property is smoke-free and smoking has to happen out front. And if you have any pets, we ask that you declare them. Just going through everything, right? And this fella is like very aware, very focused on me, extremely polite and professional. And we just both are on the same level, sort of. But we're, I can, I don't know. I just get this feeling that both of us are feeling a little bit like, well, this is, we're being unnecessarily polite here. So at one of the things, <laughs> at one of the things I say, I just tack on at the very end. I'm just like, Tell us if you would like us to make a reservation for you in the restaurant. And at the end of the sentence, I just tack on, you know what I mean? (laughs) And he just leans in and he looks at me and he goes, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Oh, God. And it's like, eh, we just felt like it it was time to leave the script right there. We both, we were both on the fucking professional highway, just zooming down, zooming down the highway and then. We both looked at the same exit, and we just took the same exit, both of us. And and we just, it was something, it was some human thing there that happened where we both just decided that it was time to just have a little bit of humanity trickle through the script, you know? And then we nodded at each other, and he left, and it was like, yep. That guy and me, we could have been, should have been friends, you know what I'm saying? Um, So this is funny because... This is funny because I, for a few days, for like two, three days, I had this pretty clear idea in my head of what I wanted to talk about on the podcast. Um, And it was very feeling-based. And I was having all these ideas about it and all these stories came up in my mind of like related to it. And it was just all like one thing and it was all like centered around one emotion. And I really wanted to go in on it. And like for three days, I just like felt this one emotion kind of consistently. And I was real happy about it. And I was real like, let's stick to that emotion and we'll, we'll just talk about all of those things on the podcast. And then last night it sort of fell apart. But the, the, feeling was positivity and then it fell apart and now you know what i'm feeling right now negativity difference not the same i've had a a very busy i hate the word busy i've had some uh, a a few weeks that have been kind of hectic and that has meant just emotionally hectic where there's like big big bad bad things going on and then 
good things sprinkled in and lots of just intense one-on-one conversations that I've had to have with people. And then I get, the more I have them all the time, the more jaded I become. The more jaded, it's really interesting because like, I think people like me become better at, you know, your job and being assertive and all this stuff if you just care a little bit less because I've mastered how to care like caring giving too many shits is like already what I'm being anxious is basically giving too many shits so like I have gone to grad school and I have a PhD in worrying about it so for people like me if I can just be a little bit detached that actually makes me way better at stuff like it makes me way better at having a an intense one-on-one conversation with a subordinate where i have to give them some feedback or whatever if i can just like when i come through as if i care that means that i'm annoyed with them and that means that the whole thing becomes super confrontational but if i become a little bit detached and i just say a couple of smart things that really could improve something there it's like that's that can come through as feedback that's very actionable and it can come through as something where I think I can seem like I care about them and I want them to be better and and it's like just just do as I say and I'm not annoyed with you but it's like we're gonna have to do it like this and it's like don't worry about it too much but like just hear what I'm saying and then I think that can land pretty good with people and when I care too much it lands real bad with people And in the last few weeks, I've just had this like emotionally hectic period that's been very tough. And then in the last three days or something, I I just managed to take control of my focus, I would say, is how I would describe it. And I managed to like focus on what's positive. And for example, something that happened is that honestly, I think I think it's not random. I think it's because I wasn't doing so good. And people listen to the podcast and people can tell that I'm not doing so good. I got a lot of messages from people. And sometimes I don't get a message for a long time. And I think that's just because people can tell that I don't need it. And then people can tell that I need it sometimes. And then people send me messages. So I got like a number of messages from people. And from people I know and from people I don't know. And for example, and I responded to this one, there's like one from just an Instagram account and it's just the Instagram username is like weirdly on and that's it. And the person is just like, and and this is also funny, many, in last two weeks or something, I got like seven or eight or nine direct messages from people that listen to the podcast. And so many of them mentioned this weird thing of like, whatever they say, they throw in, Hey, by the way, I always listen to the end of the episode. And it's like this weird thing where like, I think I say that at the end of the episode that there cannot possibly be. It's like, it, Now I feel like a whore because it feels like I'm saying it as this fakey thing. Like I'm trying to, f- I'm fishing around for, and maybe on some level I am. Anyway, I just got positive messages from people. Okay, anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I got positive messages from people, but what the... First thing that I was thinking about it was I have a weird mental hang-up of responding. It's very hard for me to respond when I get a positive message from someone. And like in the last few weeks, I got a a number of them, and I was like, I got to respond to these. Like, they're so nice. 
and and then more came in. So I, I even like started a little list just to make sure I didn't forget. So I had this like list on my to-do list that was like a sub list of like, so these nine people sent me positive little messages after having listened to the podcast or whatever, and I got to respond to them. And, and so I'm procrastinating with that list and responding forever. And then I even, oh, I got a little bit of tinnitus there. Um, I even sat down and like made time and still couldn't do it. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this positive message where someone is like, you know, I really appreciate the podcast. I, you know, I always listen to the end and I'm sitting there and I'm like, half of them, I still haven't responded because I can't, like, I just have this weird mental block and it's very relevant to the, the bigger next thing I want to talk about. But, but it's, um, another thought I had about it is like, Another an interesting thing that's extremely counterintuitive to me is like messages from friends have are nice people I know people I've met in reality acquaintances that just sort of happen to become um, weird little podcast listeners um, I appreciate their messages but but somehow it feels even better. Maybe it's not counterintuitive. It feels even better to get messages from strangers. Because strangers, maybe it's pretty obvious, actually. It's because I'm trying to put out a product that's not contingent on have, knowing me as a person. I think it's a little bit surreal to know me as a person and listen to the podcast because it's a pretty different voice. But um, but I, I just, I, somehow I enjoy even more just getting messages from people I don't know. And then, so I got this one really long, really, not really long, but like <clears throat> a good 900 words, you know, four perfectly spaced out paragraphs, like the well-writtenness of the e of this email. It was like an email to a weird defunct email address that I barely even check because I don't know that I have my email and you can't really have your email written in public so much, but somehow this, this fella found my email address somewhere and and he he's like had been introduced to the podcast when he was traveling or something stayed at a hostel in south america and someone that i had met told him about the podcast and and it's like just he wrote me this very well written very nice email just making a pretty classic point of like I talk about loneliness, and when I talk about loneliness, that helps with his own loneliness. You know, a pretty classic, like, maybe one of the major things that art does. You know, you, f you have a bad feeling, and then someone puts bad feeling in, in their thing, you know, in whatever content they create. And then because you recognize that bad feeling outside of yourself, it just makes you feel a little bit better because it makes you feel like, well, other people have that bad feeling too, so it's all right. And you beat yourself up a little bit less. Like, it's a very classic thing, right? And, <clears throat> and man, I have sat down and I have tried to respond to this email and I don't think I... Yeah, well, I mean, hey, maybe this is me responding to it. <laughs> maybe, maybe talking about it right here is me responding to it. Anyway, I got to move on to this thing that I, that, I've been, that I thought about for three days. I just thought about different stories related to this that I wanted to talk about and stuff. And I'm not even going to remember all the stories. It was just like a very cohesive sort of topic and it's sort of the topic of let me start like this an interesting it's interesting to see things from the outside like i have this one coworker brit she i think her and i were very similar because we're both 
very anxious people, I would say. And we're both in our 30s, in our mid-30s, you know? And late 30s. <laughs> we're both not getting any younger. Um, and we're the same age. And I think there's a thing, once you hit your late 30s, you have, unless you're a complete time waster, you have mastered something. So, like, we've both acquired a number of tools and skills and life experiences. And so, layered on top of how we started out as extremely anxious people and will always, we started out as anxious people, we remain as anxious people, and we will forever be anxious people. But layered on top of that is now a lot of, a lot of other stuff also. So, like, she's a mom, and she's a great mom, and I think that's, like, one of her great sort of big skill sets of just, like, different mom-related emotional management skills. Incredible. And then there's me, and my skill set is, like, very different. <clears throat> and maybe my skill set is a little bit of just, like, being in complete denial about how I'm completely anxious all the time and pretending like I'm not and acting normal, even though I don't feel normal. But so a parallel that I can see between her and me is that we've both, behind all of those skills and different things, a, a thing we've both realized at some point is that a good thing to do when you're really anxious is to lean into acts of generosity. Because generosity is like a weird loophole. It's like a weird emotional loophole where it's as if you're saying like, I feel bad and my heart is full of bad emotions, but I'm just going to act really charitable towards you. And then I'm going to look at your face being all happy because I'm so charitable towards you. And then I'm just going to decide to feel your emotions instead of my own. And it's like this... It's like a sober person, sort of like fakey good person. Fakey good person in this sort of AA sense. Like, man, I had this – my AA sponsor, um, Greg, back in S Seattle, he had this incredibly cool way of talking about being a good person because he really, really emphasized how he was a good person for himself. He was a good person out of selfish reasons. Like he would help, he would drive to your house as your life was falling apart and he would work so hard to help you because he needed that for himself because it made him feel so fucking good about himself. Like for completely egotistical reasons. And I think that's like not mysterious in any way. I think it's an obvious thing that many, it's a point many people have made in the past, but I think it's like really helpful to reiterate with yourself and just be honest about and just take that advice to heart because it really works. <sighs> when you feel really terrible and you're trying to not resort to drugs and alcohol, generosity is a crazy powerful tool. Acts of charity is like a crazy powerful tool that you can feel almost drunk on. And so <clears throat> Brit does this thing where she was like she will like just bring food in for everyone and just give it to everyone. She gives me shit all the time. And I just recognize in her what she's doing and it is so it's so interesting because I like really love her for it. But when I do it myself, I also know that I'm really just doing it for myself. But you know what what is it like at what part, at what point does like a saint, when is a saint a bad person because they just do it to feel better? Like, is there a mean, is it meaningful to, 
untangle those things. I don't think the eth- I think the ethics of it is actually a complete distraction because it doesn't matter who's like ethically actually a good person because of all of this. Like it doesn't matter that you're being a good person for egotistical reasons. That's not relevant at all. So then like I it's nice to give stuff and so <clears throat> here's like the the interesting he- headspace of giving. Like for Christmas in December I think I sort of mentioned this on the podcast, but in December when Christmas was coming up, I had this idea that I wanted to just like invent a pretend company for all the managers of where I work. Like there's me and like seven other managers or something. And I was like, I'll I'll think of each person individually and I'll think if they weren't working here, what other industry or what job would they have or who would they be? And I was like, I'll make a mock-up of a logo for whatever business that would be, that they would be doing if they weren't here. And I will create merch for that imaginary company. So I'll give everyone just an individualized article of clothing or a coffee mug or a sticker or two of each things or whatever. So it turned out everyone got an article of clothing was what I landed on in the end. And it's like, Eric Cleaver, Chef Eric, he told me once that he had a weird nightmare almost where like he was being promoted to do this other company, like our company was going to expand into flooring. And he's telling me this dream and and I think he got self-conscious about it because it got so personal because he told me a long story about his dream. So at the end, he like apologized to me a bunch of times about it. And I really wanted to impress upon him that, no, I found it interesting, like, he was going to be the head of a flooring company and I was going to go work with him. And I thought that was an interesting story. And then he like apologized many times about telling me that whole thing. And so when I was making a company, I made a flooring, I made, I invented a company and I called it Cleaver and Cleaver Flooring. And I made them like a road sign at like a billboard on the side of a highway type ad where it's like exit 212, you know, if you want to get off on exit 212, you can get to Cleaver and Cleaver Flooring. And it's like laminate, wood flooring, cement. And it's like a billboard like that on a sort of uh, high high visibility weird hoodie that's like bright orange, like you're a construction worker at a flooring company or something. Like it, it was a hoodie. I made him this hoodie, blah, blah, blah. But so the point of what I'm saying, and then like London... I made her this hoodie that's like – hers is a good one too. I, I'm not going to bring up all of them because not all of them were good. But London was a good one. It was just like I, – I just made like as if she's a – has a soda company making pop. And it was like the product was called Bitter Sassaparilla. And it, I just made this like old-timey, old-timey grainy sort of bottle graphic um, ad for it. But so here's the point of saying this. The act of making all of those, because it took hours, is this very interesting headspace because that's an act of, as you are making them and thinking about them, the entire time you are actually engaging in this extremely narcissistic and egotistical act of imagining what they will feel when they receive the gift, (laughs) which is ridiculous. It's like... The entire time, a back, like a part, a back corner of your brain is imagining the entire time what they will feel, how happy they will be getting your gift. 
And that happiness that you feel from just thinking about that for hours is sort of like bigger than any happiness they get in the end from actually getting it. So it's like a fair, you see what I'm saying? How it's a very egotistical act. And then when I think about that, now that I'm a grown up and I experience that and I sit for hours, it like makes me realize all these things of like how my mom is like this huge gift giver. And she crafts, she'll craft the shit out of something, you know? She'll glue gun all these rocks together and paint them and paint eyes on them and put a little Santa hat on them and build like a whole thing and give it to someone. And it'll say welcome on it. And it'll be a thing that they put on their, by their front door or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, and then as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, so what my mom is doing there the whole time, honestly, if we're being completely honest, is that she's engaging in this extremely egotistical act of, because my mom is a really good person, right? And I want to think of my mom as a really good person. But what my mom is doing there is this, this weirdly egotistical act of just sitting in a feeling of her own generosity. And all these crafts, like all the grandmothers in the world that are knitting knitting sweaters like do you know how long it takes to knit a sweater and do you know how boring it is to knit a sweater it's not that boring i've done a lot of knitting and it's like it's fine but when you're knitting someone's sweater i i mean it's almost it's almost like i'm asking a question here like is this real or not we're like are all those grandmothers knitting all those sweaters for all those grandkids and nephews and and son-in-laws and everything are they the whole time, a part of their brain is just imagining how happy they'll be getting the gift and they're really just sitting there relishing themselves, relishing in their own generosity, relishing in the charitability of their own character. Like, are, are they, it's just so, it's gross when you say it like that. It's fucking gross. And that's not the point. The point is not the grossness of being charitable because that's it's not gross. It's really actually the opposite. It's really like it's what we must do because there are other things that we can do where our brain is just stewing in a form of low-grade happiness like drugs and alcohol. And those things always burn out in a big fireball of destruction and unhappiness. So it's like what I'm really saying is that this is a thing I'm recommending. Just find a way to just be constantly stewing in a low-grade form of happiness. And when I say it like that, that uh, reminds me of something I saw on Facebook that I then looked up, looked up on Wikipedia. There used to be this thing in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages, called perpetual stew or forever stew, where like you just had a big cauldron over fire bubbling always, and you would eat from it. You would like slop up some of the stew in a bowl and eat from it. And then you, you it would never run out because you'd always just throw more shit in there. Like you'd throw more meat and carrots in there. And it, when it was low on liquid, you'd pour some more water in there. And when the broth got too thin, you'd throw some more like bone bone stuff in there to make it marrow. And you just always add ingredients. And it would just be a stew that was always, never got below half. You know what I'm saying? How fucking incredibly disgusting is that? Because you're dealing with pieces of meat at the bottom that have probably been in there. Like, the Wikipedia article describes how you can have this going for decades. Like, imagine a stew where part of part of the stew has been going for decades that's not so fresh 
It's interesting, though, because there's something about food where all food, like we don't think about it because we go to the grocery store and stuff and we're really disconnected from our food. But there is like an infinity loop quality to all food if you really like the only reason we have carrots is because we always have carrots and we always make sure to save some carrots to make more carrots. Like all of life has this loop quality where like if you ever run out, there's no way to ever get more. And the truth is that we never truly run out because if we run out, we'd be out. Like if the farmers harvested every single carrot in the entire universe and, that, and we ate all of the carrots, that'd be it. We wouldn't have carrots anymore. You know, not counting the seed vault or whatever. And then everything with like yeast is like the same. Like yeast, there's some fucking yeast grown somewhere and they just cut off a little corner of it and put it in some packaging and sell it. And it's like, yeah, anyway, that's not profound, but it's fucking, the perpetual stew thing is disgusting. Okay, but so then there's this other way to apply it, for example, which is not another way. It's the same way. It's like, so Brit and me, I think we're very similar. And I think we lean into this um, feeling of how fun it is to give and to craft and to build and to like work on stuff. And one angle of it is to not give physical gifts, but to like host. Hosting a party or a dinner is sort of the same thing where you like prep for it a whole bunch and it's really kind of exhausting to cook an, a huge, you know, cook a bunch of dishes and make dessert and all this stuff because you're going to have people over. It's really kind of exhausting. But the reason we can do it and enjoy doing it is because the whole time your brain is sort of in this like low-grade euphoria of thinking about how you will be feeding people and taking care of people. And so I love having dinner parties and stuff. And it's... um and then so yeah, what I'm what I the point of that is like Brit has a birthday party this week. It's actually on Saturday. It's the day that this episode gets released. So when you're when this episode gets released, today Brit is having this party. And then here's the funny thing. Brit is like she's a grown up, she's economically independent, she's chilling, she's not under some sort of weird pressure. You know, her kid is like has moved out and everything. And so she can afford to just like take time off when she wants to take time off. So, so because she is having a party, she basically took a week off to prepare for the party, which is such a like successful, like emotionally, it's a, it's a choice for the emotionally successful because you just know yourself. You know that you're going to feel good being in the headspace of prepping for it. And you know that you have enough money to sort of like ask to not work for a week. And you know that it's just you're not going to be stressed because you give yourself plenty of time. So you just like putz with it for a week. And the act of putzing and the act of putzing and prepping for the party is to constantly be in this headspace of imagining what it'll be when all the people come and they're so happy because you're taking care of them. And it's like, God damn it, that's... And maybe that's what hospitality is, you know? Like, maybe that's why we're all in the hospitality industry because on some level, you bring someone a plate of food and they smile at you because they're hungry and they eat it. And then you go back and you're like, you look at them and they're like, yeah. And you're like, yeah? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, oh, that's great. And they're like, yeah, thank you. And you're like, man, you're welcome. And it's like, and then you go to the next table and you're like, yeah? And they're like, yeah. 
And you're like, yeah? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you're, and they're like, thank you. I was hungry. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you're welcome. And then you go to the next table. Same thing. Just over and over and over. People just being like, oh, yeah, I was hungry. Hated it. Like whatever words they use, what they really mean is, oh, I was hungry. Thank you. And then you just sort of stew in that low-grade happiness for, you know, as much as you can. And maybe that's not for everyone, but maybe that's for people in hospitality. But so then there's this other half of it, right? Which is like, it's one thing to be good at giving, but it's almost commensurate is the skill of being good at receiving. Because because receiving is fuck-uppable. Like, you don't think it would be, but it is. Every receiving can be fucked up. Like, receiving a compliment is surprisingly hard. Like, someone gives you a compliment, and then you have to respond in the right way, and then they'll feel good about themselves for being a positive person who gave a compliment and the person that received the compliment looked happy and now it's two happy people and it's like society is thriving we're living in a futurist utopia skyscrapers made out of glass people giving compliments cars with black on ba- black wheels like you're driving on nothing you know everything is bottom lit frosted glass everything is a makeup counter at a at a mall Everyone's real pretty and everyone's wearing like a flight attendant sort of style dress, but they're, they're working at a Sephora. Everything, society is all Sephoras. Everything is a Sephora now. And there's a sale. Everyone's a member. Everything is a Sephora. Everyone's given a compliment. Everyone's receiving a compliment. Everyone is good at giving compliment. Everyone is good at receiving compliment. Smile. Smile back. Smile. And it's like good, you know? Futurist utopia. None of this, like, soon we're going to be living on the moon, but we still have racist type of shit. No, none of that. Smile. Know how to receive a compliment. And so there's compliment and then there's gifts, dude. Receiving a gift. And so here's an example. Um, Dr. Luke and me and Sebastian, 10 years ago, we're living in three different countries, the three of us. I don't remember which three countries, but we were all three living in different places, different countries. But we talked every single day in a group chat. We had a group chat going. I don't remember which app this was based on. WeChat or WhatsApp or some defunct fucking thing that no one uses anymore. Whatever. We had a little group chat. You could name the group chat. Someone named it, probably me, named it the Smoky Egg because it just sounds like something. It just sounds like a group chat name. So we're talking every day. We're friends. And then you get to this point where it's like, no, not, not, yeah, Christmas. And Dr. Luke, he's a doctor. He makes a lot of money. He's an anxious, unhappy fella. He's not super young anymore. He's getting old enough to realize that one of the ways in which, like, a harmless way to feel happy is to give. He's old enough to know that giving is good. And so he decides to give me and Sebastian something for Christmas. Here's the thing. I don't remember what the object was because I'm not that good of a gift recipient. I don't remember what it was. I recently was thinking about all of this that I'm talking about right now. And then I was thinking about how, oh God, how many gifts I don't remember what they are and how that's something I need to work on. 
because it's like the truth is that I need to lean into the like. Oh God, receiving a gift is a positive headspace because you can think about how that person thought about you, and staying in the headspace of that and holding on to the fucking you know decorative glass object that someone gave you to put on your windowsill. Holding the glass apple in your hand, God, do not give me a glass apple, everyone. I, I cannot imagine anything more like annoying. Glass apple. Holding the glass apple in your hand and thinking about how they thought about you when they gave you that. And then taking your phone out and texting them and being like, thank you. I really like this glass apple. Texting them three weeks later. Like that's a true good person thing to do for yourself and for others. That's future utopia stuff. That's the type of shit we're trying to be on over here. The sparkling community is all about giving and receiving and perfecting both acts, both the act of giving and the act of receiving. So Christmas is coming around. It's probably 2014 or something. Sebastian is probably living in Sweden. I'm probably living in China. Dr. Luke is probably living in Australia. And um, Christmas rolls around and, and Dr. Luke buys us gifts. And it's pretty complicated to buy, a, to find a gift because he wanted to like give us the same thing, even though we're in different countries. So he found something on the internet that they could ship both to China and Sweden. So he shipped both of us the same thing. And... I remember getting my thing, and here's the thing, I don't remember what it was, but I remember picking it up, opening it out of the box, and thanking him, and giving him that sort of little burst of dopamine in saying that I really appreciate the gift. And then here's Sebastian. Because Sweden isn't a very, um, it's a sparsely populated, very spread out, very shitty country. When you get anything bigger than, you know, a credit card... Anything bigger than a flimsy, flimsy piece of paper, it doesn't actually get to your house. What you get is you get a flimsy piece of paper at your house that's saying you have a package waiting for you at the post office. And then they stopped doing post offices. They closed all the post offices. And the post office, the artist formerly known as post office, teamed up with the supermarkets and just became sort of a counter, just sort of like became part of the customer service counter at your uh, local supermarket. That's what the post office is in Sweden now. So whenever you get a package, you don't get the package. Instead, you get a piece of paper and the piece of paper says, go to your local supermarket and go to the customer service desk and show them this piece of paper and we'll give you the, the package. And so that's how it works. It's all supermarket based and nothing is ever delivered to your house. So 2014 in Sweden, Dr. Luke is shipping something internationally to Sweden, to Sebastian's house in probably in Stockholm. And like a week after getting this flimsy piece of paper, Sebastian takes a picture of it and sends it to the group chat. And it's like, hey, did you guys send me a gift? And Dr. Luke is like, yeah, man, that's that's your Christmas gift right there. And he's like, oh, okay. And then like three weeks later, Dr. Luke gets an email Gift was never picked up. Uh, 
your shit's getting refunded, but you know, the $45 shipping fee is not getting refunded. So you're out $45. The gift was never picked up. He never got, Sebastian never got his gift because he couldn't be arsed. He couldn't be hassled to go to the supermarket and pick up the package, right? So that's bad gift receiving. And that to me that it's, all of this comes with age, like, I really associate this with age, and I really associate Sebastian's behavior here with stun- arrested development, you know, with just being immature, not realizing that the, the things that last are the classically true things of generosity is good, and the things that don't last are drugs and alcohol. So Sebastian never picked up his gift, and man, Luke and me talked about this probably 100 times. Just like the poverty of his gift-receiving skills. Absolute atrocious. And I gave, I tried to give that fella so many things. And he just does not have the maturity to realize what's happening or to connect with the human experience enough to be able to look someone in the eye and say, thank you. I really appreciate this gift and I really appreciate that you were like thinking about me and that you created this thing and that this thing is now mine and that this thing symbolizes how for hours there you were thinking about me and like you and me were like two lonely disconnected consciousnesses but in this moment of giving and receiving a gift we are in a way connected. We are you are acknowledging that I am all, also a consciousness like you, and I, in receiving this and looking you in the eye, I am acknowledging that, that I know that you exist. You know that I exist, and it's like, fuck, man. We're here. We're really out here, man. So that's the different levels, you know? Um, receiving is harder than giving, I would say. Level zero of complete immaturity is to just be wasted and destructive. You know, you're just fucking drunk all the time and you're just destructive in your relationship and with people's property and you're just inconsiderate. That's level zero. And then level one, when you graduate onto level one, you become a giving person and you give and giving is, it's kind of easy to see how giving feels good and it just sort of feels good. And then level two is receiving. Becoming good at receiving is even harder. So with age, I've become very, very respectful of, I really respect people who are good at receiving. And so here's an example of good receiving that happened recently, right? So a few days ago, I believe this was on Saturday night, I did this whole thing where my mom sent a 30-pound care package from Sweden with rose hip soup powdered rose hip soup, which is a dessert soup. It's a sweet, sort of acidic, kind of interesting floral. It almost has a tea note, red, bright red soup. The powder is white. You mix it with water, it goes bright red. And when you serve it, you you scoop vanilla ice cream into it, and then you do you hit it with this thing called mandel bisquillo, which is, it's kind of like a little dollop of an almond biscotti, it's just like a sweet almond-flavored round. It looks like a tiny little boob is what Mason told me. Just like a little dollop. 
And so you you get a bowl of this bright red soup and you hit it with a scoop of vanilla ice cream and then you get these crunchy little sweet almond um, bits in there, right? So that's the that's the dish. It's a dessert, it's sweet, it's nice. It's like in Sweden when you're a kid and you're out and it's snowy out and your face gets all red from the cold and and you're like sledding down a tiny little hill that feels enormous because you're such a small child and you're sledding down this hill like all day and every time you sled down you just run maniacally all the way up to the top of the hill again even though it's like 10 feet and you slide down the hill again and you run up the hill again and you're like a dog with zoomies you know you're just like such an animal and you just run up the hill and you throw yourself down it and you run up the hill and then you're like pushing your friends over and you throw snowballs at each other and you do shit like that, right? And it's Sweden, and it's flat, but there's a tiny hillside, and you got a little plastic sled. Dude, we got some shitty sleds in Sweden, but we make it work. Like, one is just like this heart-shaped thing with a handle on the tip, so you just stick it between your legs, and it's just like these two rounded things that go under your butt cheeks, and then a handle that goes up between your legs, and you hold the handle, and I've never seen this thing in America, but it is a basic thing of plastic. And you use that to just slide down a hill and you have no control. And it's like, it's fun, man. And then when you've been doing that and your face is all blistered and red, not blistered, but rosy. You got rosy cheeks from the fucking cold wet. And your socks are wet and your mittens are wet. And you you start shivering. And then you come inside and you take your your wet articles of clothing off and then you get served this hot sweet soup and it's like wonderful right so now here it's cold and it's winter and it's california and people aren't used to the cold and they're not good in the cold so i'm like i'm gonna bring this to work and i'm gonna serve this to everyone because it's interesting it's interesting how americans haven't enjoyed any kind of dessert soup I do the whole thing. I plan out the whole thing. I take a completely fresh packaging that hasn't expired of the rosehip soup. Rosehip is a type of flower. It has rose right there in the name, but it's not. I don't think it's in the rose family, probably. It's like a superfood. But anyway, um, so I take this big packaging. It's like, you know, like a fucking 70 servings. Or it's the whole packaging. And then I go to the store and I get the Tillamook French vanilla ice cream, like the good stuff. And then I get the almond biscotti things. And I I go into work and I immediately go to the freezer and I put it in the freezer. And it's like, here's the thing, man. When you're going to give, especially in a group, when you're going to try to be charitable in a group, there's like some risk to it. Because there's something where it can go wrong. Especially, and I don't know, I keep coming back to how I feel like these things come with age and there's like an age age matters here like when you're young like if you're in third grade and you try to bring something in to show your classmates into some snack like it's it's liable to there's a risk that everyone makes fun of you there's a risk that you're like it turns like you're just a kid and you don't know anything about the world and you just like this thing and you want to give because intuitively that sounds pretty good so you bring this thing into school and then 10 of your friends are around you and you give it to them and they just frown and eat it. And they're like, what is this shit? What is this Vietnamese nonsense? And then you're like, 
in that moment, you realize that you're Vietnamese and everyone else is white. And for the first time, you realize that you're different from them and that you're other and that you're like, I don't know, that that's something to be sensitive about and that they talk about it as if it's less than and, and you just feel shitty all of a sudden. And you didn't even know, like, it's the first time you even realize that you're different from people. And it just turns into a thing where young people just want to put themselves above other people and be mean because there's something vulnerable about giving. Like when you give, you can be attacked because people can be like, what is this shit? And then you're embarrassed and it's scary. And on some level, I'm still like in third grade and I'm, I'm fucking worried that everyone's going to find out that I'm Vietnamese, you know, Vietnamese. Dance for me, Vietnamese. I don't know. That's like how people in the South say Vietnamese or whatever. But like, I'm just worried that people are going to be like, what is this stupid shit? This shit's gross. Get this shit out of my face. You fucking weirdo. You don't like in a moment, they will snatch away my sense of belonging my very fleeting, very, very weak signal, very, very barely existing sense of belonging, you know? I'm like this homeless fucking soul, right? And I just want to feel like I have friends, and I just want to feel like I have something, and that people know me, and that they know my name, my actual name, and that they know, like, I just want people to know what I'm thinking without me saying it. I want people to understand me. I want to feel like understood and seen and loved maybe. Maybe I don't need to be understood. I just want to feel loved. I don't, I bear, yeah, I just want to be seen and loved is probably it. And so I'm afraid that I'm going to, so like I, I bring this into work and I, I immediately go downstairs because there's a freezer downstairs and I have this whole plan and I'm like, I'm going to put the ice cream in the freezer downstairs and because I can't start like at 4 p.m. when I show up or 2 p.m., it's not the right time because everyone's too busy, but maybe towards the end of the shift when everything is slow and everyone's just sort of like in the middle of cleaning up, maybe everyone can take a break and just do a little snack and I'll make everyone little bowls of it, you know? And the whole time I'm like all worried, like, what if we don't have bowls that are good? Like, what if we, what if there's not enough for everyone? Like, what, there's so many ways that it can go bad. Oh, and I like tell people about it a little bit because you have to be brave. You have to be like, look, I brought this snack that I'm going to give you in a sec, okay? You have to like say that. You have to be a little bit confident and try, like you have to, you have to risk it all. You have to risk it all if you want to if you want to feel something and if you want it to be good like if you want to have good experiences you have to risk it all bro and they might make fun of you but it's like this is a weird little vietnamese snack you know and i'm just a little vietnamese third grader and i just want someone to like look at me and and, and not hate me you know i just want to feel good and I never feel good. I feel good like twice a week. And then in between those two times, I feel fucking so bad, you know? I feel so bad all the time. And so I bring this in and I have this whole plan and I'm like, what if I asked the kitchen to make it for me? And what if they just like laugh in my face and they don't want to make it for me? 
So, you know, 10.30 rolls around, and I'm like, I go up to them, and I'm like, look, I have a big ask, but it's also like the opposite of an ask. And it's like, can you make this, or like, can you let me make it on the line? Like, can I borrow a pot, and I'll make this soup for you guys? Because I kind of want to make you guys this soup. And then they're like, fine, you do it. And they start out real aggro, and I feel real sensitive about it. And I just have to pretend like I'm not sensitive about it. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I'll just go make it myself because they don't want to make it for me. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Everything's going great. And I even thought about grabbing a hot plate and like cooking it not in the kitchen, cooking it like somewhere else on a hot plate separate from everything so that they don't make fun of me while I'm cooking it. And then like... I cook it and I'm worried that it's taking too long. And then like I I tell like Steph is about to leave and I'm telling Steph like, hey, I'm making the soup. Like she even clocks out and she's like waiting and she's about to leave. And and I'm like, just wait a little bit and I'm going to make the soup. And then it's like taking a bit for the water to get hot. And she gets a little bit antsy and she's like, look, is this even going to be worth it? Like, is this going to be worth it? Like I could have left like 15 minutes ago and like this water is not hot yet and like this soup like how long on this soup and i'm starting to feel a little bit worried like what if this goes really bad and people just think it's gross and i just feel really embarrassed that i like try to do this thing and and people just get a little bit annoyed that i made them wait and like i took up their time and now they have to like pretend to like this thing and stuff and it's just like i'm just feeling real sensitive about it and people feel like they're trying to clean up and i'm like in the way and stuff and i'm there with this pot I'm trying to make this fucking soup and it's like the water's not hot and I'm measuring and all the measurements are in deciliters and all of our cups are in fucking American fucking ounces and everything is like a a metal spoon that doesn't even have the measurement on it, but it is in ounces. It's some number of ounces, but no one knows how many and nothing is in deciliters and I'm trying to measure and I'm, I sort of measure it out and, and I'm and I just felt so sensitive. And then... It turns out, and I was real like, what if it gets lumpy? But then I, I, the ball water starts to boil, and I hit it with the powder, and it turns out you just fucking whisk the shit out of it and make sure there are no lumps, and Bob's your uncle, you're done. And that's it. So now we're good, and now the soup is ready, and I bring it over, and I'm like, can I even put a hot pot of like a fucking hundred servings of soup? Can I put that straight on this counter? And they're like, they look at me like I'm crazy, and they're like, bro, this is a kitchen in a restaurant of course you can you've seen us do that a hundred times and i'm like yeah i guess i have oh suddenly it's like pouring rain outside but so then suddenly in that moment everything switches and then it turns into this thing where and it's really stephanie man stephanie is such a stephanie is so different from me and i love her so much because she's so smart she's so evolved spiritually with this stuff and she knows she knows what's going on she knows that i am giving and that this is an opportunity to be good at receiving and so she switches her whole thing and she switches into this extremely positive mode where she starts congregating everyone she starts gathering everyone and telling everyone to come over and then she starts filming it and she and she films this little video, multiple videos actually, but she starts filming and in the video, she just adopts this 
attitude of like incredible positivity, which is like incredibly similar to when you are preparing a gift, the part, the back part of your mind that's imagining what the mood will be when the gift is given, you're imagining a form of positivity. You're imagining this entire story arc of like curiosity and anticipation and positivity and smiling and giddiness and then getting closer to the gift and realizing more and more what the gift is. And then like receiving the gift and then just being really bubbly and happy about receiving the gift. And then like a sort of latter part where you're like, yeah, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that gift. Yeah, I do really like the gift. Like this entire rise and fall of of the, the gift recipient's happiness. And so Stephanie just does it. She just knows what I am looking for. And she just knows how to give it. She knows how to give the gift of receiving. Because giving the gift of receiving when someone else is giving the gift of giving, it's almost hard. It's harder than, like I said, it's level two. Giving is just level one. But so she creates this like incredibly positive vibe in this video that she's shooting. And then I just pick like Andrea because she's the youngest little kid. Oh, man, what a positive, beautiful person, you know, Andrea. And then I made I I, I didn't even know if we had bowls for it. I didn't even know if it was going to work. But the soup came out and it just like wasn't lumpy. And then I just realized, well, let's just do it in coffee cups. So I just grab a coffee cup and I ladle up exactly seven ounces of rose hip soup. I hit it with a massive scoop of of Tillamook vanilla ice cream. I hit it with a bunch of mandel bisqueo. And in the video, I give it to Andrea and you can see Andrea eating it. And it's like, she looks so happy. And she crunches down on this sweet, crunchy thing with this like interesting floral hot soup. And... Augustina is there and she's like, oh, it's a little bit of like an affogato. And it's like, yes, it is similar to an affogato in the sense that there's like a a soup that's hot or like a, a hot liquid that's not sweet together with sweet cold ice cream. Like the contrast in sweet versus non-sweet and the contrasting temperature is so fucking satisfying. And then also an affogato really, I mean, I think an affogato technically should have crushed like not walnut. Um, hazelnut on it, but I really like affogados with cacao nibs because they're bitter and crunchy and incredible. But like this, it's like crunch also, creaminess of ice cream with crunch of something on top. Like all of these contrasts are incredible when you have rosehip soup. And also it's just a sweet, delicious thing that's not too complicated. Like I'm describing it as if it's this like very complicated pretentious thing, but really it's just a sugary delicious thing that everyone loves, that children love. And you know what Americans are? Nah, let's not let's 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 not insult Americans right now. <laughs> let's not be like that, you know? But so the point is that Stephanie is such an incredibly evolved creature and she can just see through the three-dimensional chess of 
it's so interesting because I, in a way, she is a little bit of an airhead and a little bit of like she she has a little bit of a bimbo style of being a server and she makes a lot of mistakes and stuff, but she's incredibly charming. So she gets through it, and it's like she just has this like very classic street smarts way, but spiritually, like her spiritual brain and her emotional understanding of how people feel and what they do and what they need and reading people's needs and understanding a complicated matrix of people and their different relationships to each other. Like Stephanie is one of the most intelligent and savvy people I've ever met in my entire life. And like when I, you know, like a few episodes ago, the episode with Maddie when I was talking about how Lilith was yelling at me, like the person who understood that situation the most and stuck up, stood up for me, like backed me up the most and would, the was Stephanie. She like pulled Lilith aside and was like, look, that's not, like we can't have that. Like that's, that's completely unacceptable. Like you can't talk to anyone like that and you can't talk to Joachim like that. And Stephanie just knew what that was. She knew that that wasn't cool. And then in this moment, she just like had this incredible softness to her. And she just knew exactly the positivity that I was hoping to get from this. And so she films it and Andrea loves it. And they just thrive on this positivity. And then she makes a second video. Stephanie makes a second video after I've served up a bunch of helpings of these. I, I ladle up like 15 cups of rose hip soup and hit them all with ice cream, right? And hit them all with mandel biscuit. And I serve them all up. And then Stephanie, before even having one herself, she just goes, so she has no idea what this tastes like. She doesn't know if she likes it. It's not even about that. She just goes from person to person, filming everyone's face as they are all happy. And, you know, Jordan, a person that I have a complicated relationship with because oftentimes my job is to make his job harder. My job is to ask more of him. My job is to fucking force him to do shit that he doesn't want to do. Just ask things of him is my job. So he expresses a lot of anger towards me because he, because his job is hard. Because he's the guy actually, like, fuck chef, fuck all the chefs, fuck everyone. Fuck every server, fuck every busser. What about the guy cooking the food? Like, Jordan is the guy cooking all of the food. Like he's the guy putting the tie snapper over the open flame and deciding when to flip the fish and then scrubbing those grates of fucking burnt fish scales. He's the guy scrubbing and making it like he's the executor. And then when I hit him and I'm like, bro, it needs to be more like this. Like he should be paying more than anyone in there, you know? And then we, him and me, like... We do have these flashes of expressing positivity positivity towards each other. So I do think we have a lot of respect for each other ultimately, but it's very unsure and we don't have a lot of information on each other and we've never hung out and and it's like that. But then in this moment, in this video, I wasn't even there. Stephanie just goes up in his face and just films him. And it's like he describes being lactose intolerant and still eating it and loving the soup that I made. <laughs> Everyone in there is lactose intolerant for some reason. And it's a big part of the videos is people saying lactose intolerado and talking about how it's going to be trouble in paradise later. Um, but so 
the point is that Steph goes up to all these different people that I, I just want to know that they like me because I'm this like sensitive, small, needy soul. I'm just such a needy, lonely soul. And I just need constant revalidation, reconfirmation that people like me. And Stephanie just goes from face to face and saying, you love it, right? And they just go, oh yeah, this is delicious. And so here's the thing, the biggest emotional spike of happiness in all of this, right, is how, is my spike of, of happiness, like my egotistical spike in happiness. And it's like, I was so tired that night and it's like got really late and there were all these issues. There was some real fucking crazy money issues that night, but like, <sighs> Like when you have to walk up to someone and be like, I know you thought that you were going to pay 500 bucks, but you really have to pay. Se- I'm going to have to ask you for $7,000 right now. But <sighs> difficult conversations. But to just have a noisy world with lots of signals, good and bad signals, and to just not worry about any of it. Not worry about how this is a career. Not worry about how... You know, how is this actually going? Are we making any money? Is this business working? How are we hitting our targets? You know, what are the fucking economic metrics? What are the financial fucking scorecards saying about tonight and this moment and this month and this year and last year and compared to last year and compared to last year and compared to last year? And like, is the macro trend enough? Like not worrying about any of that and just realizing that all we are is just like, people and how I just need to be present in the moment and just see people smiling and to then go home because what really happened, which is why I managed to stay in a positive mindset for a little bit. It's like I had these difficult days, but then people would send me these little messages and I wouldn't even respond to them. And they don't even know that they made me feel like this, but they made me feel good. People messaged me and I would be at work and I would be in a horrible mood and things would be really difficult and I would look down on my phone and there would be a message from some rando person that I I don't even know who it is, but they're sending me a message and saying that they like to listen to the podcast. And then I would just like decide to feel that instead of everything else. And then that night, that Saturday, I just sort of Stephanie sent me these videos. She sent these videos in the server group chat of of how I made everyone soup. And it's like, I'm the one, I'm just going to admit this. It's like so embarrassing. Like the whole thing I'm saying here, it's very embarrassing on the face, just objectively very embarrassing to admit how much you need giving to go a certain way and how you need gift recipients to act a certain way for you to be satisfied. It's very embarrassing. And the following thing is very embarrassing because like I made soup for everyone and Stephanie made all these videos um, filming everyone's faces and how happy they were. And like Will looks so cute in this video. And then Will is like, it's delicious. And then she films my face and I'm smiling and I'm like, Will, you thought it was good? And then Steph goes, look, look how happy Joachim is. And it's just like this thing about how incredibly happy, like feeding into each other's happiness and not worrying about how like there's attorneys and there's problems. And we got a attorney and this person and blah, blah, blah. 
It's just people and happiness. And then I go home that night and I just laid on my couch all burnt out, all sleep deprived, all like running on six hours of sleep every day, doing these like 12, 13 hour shifts, five days a week, just like burnt out. And I just lay on my couch, catatonic, can't move. And I just watched those videos on repeat of me giving people soup and them looking happy. Like that's really, really embarrassing to admit that I did that, but that's what I did. And the fact that Stephanie knew to make, to film it and to create that vibe of underscoring happiness is incredibly emotionally involved, evolved. It's incredibly spiritually mature. It's like, Something, it makes me love her so much and it makes me respect her so much. Just the fact that she knows how to give people the gift of them getting the experience that they were hoping when they were putting themselves out there to give. Like for Christmas, I gave Sonia this, uh, it's a, I guess it's a sweater and a coffee cup with uh, the logo set. It's like a seal of approval type type logo. And it's like a couple of shades of purple. And it's just like this sort of like big sticker kind of seal of approval logo. And it says the Sonia Krimsky method, 100% pain-free money back guarantee. And then Sonia texted me all these emojis and said, it's not true, though. It's not pain-free at all. And it's such a funny joke because Sonia's kind of a hard-ass, you know? She has to deal with a lot of shit, and she's unbreakable. And I respect her so much for all the shit she can deal with and then just shake it off and just keep going and not bring it onto the... Like, not project it onto the next person. Like, not hold on to it as a grudge and negativity in their heart that you project onto the next person. Instead, she just goes on and just does her job. But it does mean that we need a certain level of performance from people around us. And she will be a overly direct hard ass and just torture people into doing a good job. And she's like aware of it. <laughs> she's aware of it. And she's like, it's not pain-free, bro. The Sonia Krimsky method is, is it's not pain-free. And just her texting me that about the gift that I gave her, is what I needed. That's why I gave her the gift, because I needed that back. And then LD, like, I texted her on her day off, and I was like, it's snowing, what you doing? It's sunny, it's a beautiful day, what you doing? And she sends me a picture, and she's in the slopes. She's on the ski slopes. And she sends me a selfie, and she's like, yeah, I'm rocking, I'm rocking the bitter sassaparilla. And she's wearing the sweater I gave her. And it's like, that act of wearing the article of clothing that you were given, it's such a good person act. To send me that selfie is her being such a good person, and it made me feel so good. Yeah, the maturity of that, the maturity of knowing how to receive a gift is... I'm not there yet. I'm so bad. Like, people send me these positive messages, and that is giving a gift, and I need to be able to say, thank you, I really appreciate that. But is that enough? Saying thank you, I really appreciate that is is a way to, is almost just shuts it down. And that doesn't really send anything back. Because 
The thing I'm really talking about is that when it's done successfully, when a spiritually mature gift giver meets a spiritually mature gift receiver and a gift is given, what happens is that two spiritual mirrors are held up facing each other and positivity starts bouncing back and forth at the speed of light for all eternity. And you just have this flash of eternity. Like you just glimpse infinity for a moment. It's mutual. And it's, it's a, the light becomes a bridge between two souls, you know? And you just feel connected for a moment. And for a moment, you don't feel alone. For a moment. And it's like, if, you, if someone gives you a compliment and you say, thank you. Like if you're a hot girl and someone says that you have nice boobs and then you're just like... <laughs> Nah, that's, that ain't it. <laughs> nah, that ain't it. That's, that's failure of gift giving. Full stop. That's it. That's just failure of gift giving. I don't know. There's so many things of true maturity that's, oh, man, I wish they taught this in school. But there's no way to teach it because you can hear it with your ears, but you have to hear it with your soul. And you can only hear it with your soul when you're ready, you know? Like when I worked at Babar. And I was a server, and that guy, Elliot, was kind of like a supervisor, and he had a chillest fucking job. And he um, would, um, I remember this one time he was sitting having a bowl of bowl of pho, and, and I sit down in front of him, and I'm like, I asked him, I asked him what he thought about how I was doing my job and stuff. And he just looked at me, and he goes, do you want feedback, or do you want validation? And I looked at him and I said, validation. And it was both of us being mature, actually, in that moment. Because that that dishonest answer is to pretend like you are emotionally stable and that you're asking for feedback. Because that's the cool person thing to do and say. But th that's not the truth. The truth is that I need validation. And the truth is that if you give me feedback, I'll be, I'll crumble. Don't give me feedback. Just tell me I'm doing a good job. And then you know, paradoxically, I'll be doing a better job because now I feel better. So we both just had maturity in that moment. And mostly it was his maturity, you know, his maturity is his maturity gave us the language to really be mature in that moment. And that's like, that's that stuff, you know, that's some stuff that Steph would bring to the table. And then I saw this thing on Instagram one time where it's kind of just the exact same thing. It's like, it's someone who was just like, hey, so yeah, I'm married. And like the thing, the most helpful thing that I ever realized in my marriage is like when, when my partner comes at me with with problems and stuff, what you you really should start with just asking them, hey, do you want comfort or solutions? Because sometimes we want, like both are very valid answers. And it's important to give the right thing. And if someone just wants comfort, it's such a classic shitty man thing to be like, oh yeah, well, here's four solutions for you. But it's like, you don't want solutions, you want comfort. And then sometimes maybe you're really sort of lost and you really need solutions and it's less of an emotional thing and you really do need solutions. And so maybe sometimes you say solutions and probably most of the time in the relationships that I've been in, the answer is comfort, you know, but having the emotional maturity to give it language and to say, to ask the question out loud, 
and to it, it like pulls the person's head out of the water, out of the water in the toilet bowl. And you just wake up and you you like feel like you are you're jarred. You're just like shook back to reality and you're now given the option of actually handling things and actually proceeding in a deliberate, thoughtful way because someone just asked you the correct question. Do you want comfort or solutions? Do you want feedback or validation? Oh, you're giving me rose hip soup. I just want you to know that this soup is fucking delicious. And look at how happy his face is looking at your face. And look how happy your face is looking at his face. Just look at each other. And you look at each other. And it's, it's the infinity mirror, you know? It's the infinity mirror of light. And it's just so fucking... It's just what we need. So for three days there, I fucking was positive. I tell you that, man. I Life is hard and there's like difficult big numbers and big money on the line and trouble and issues and so many direct, difficult conversations I have to have with people and everything is so difficult. But for three days there, I managed to be positive and I managed to just stay focused on the little grains of positivity on the like the beach of different types of grains you know and it was these little messages i got from people listening to the podcast and it was stephanie in her little video and it was it was like just little other stuff people laughing at my jokes and then last night i just fucking spiraled out of control death loop complete circling the drain and I just got way into in my head of focusing on the, a, a small a, a problem I need to deal with, but just focusing on it as if it's the only thing in the world and as if it's going to be the most confrontational and emotional thing to talk about ever. And then dealing with the millions of things I want to start out by saying and then the two million responses that I have to prepare for and then the four million responses to the responses that I have to think of and then I was and then I get in this other headspace of like being completely incapable of just being and so 1am rolls around and 2am rolls around and I cannot stop being on social media because social media is like a thing that at least just numbs me so that I don't have to feel the, the spiraling of monotonous decision tree, like all the possibilities of where the arguments can go and all the things I need to prepare for. Because it's a real thing, you know? I mean, it's not the problem is not the wrong problem to focus on. And it's like there's a team of people that I need to confront about how People need to do stuff in a certain way and stuff. And and um, it's a real thing, but it's like my career, you know? And the career needs to not be the source. It needs to not... We need to not be emotionally anchored to our careers. And last night, I became emotionally anchored to my career. And you know what happens then? You just lay there in bed and you're not sleeping. And then you ask out into the air... You ask the Amazon fucking voice assistant whose name I cannot mention because she will then wake up. You ask her, hey, what time it is? What, what, what time it is? What time it is? Okay, a uh, racist. 
And then she responds, it's 5.46 a.m. And then she goes, it's 6.50 a.m. So now it's 7 a.m. and you haven't slept yet, you know? And like when it's 7 a.m. and you haven't slept yet, it's like, wow, what is there left to feel other than life is over? It's such a like, wow, my entire life is fucked up feeling. When you have insomnia until 7 a.m., it's just like, wow, there is no silver lining to anything. And then I set an alarm for noon, and I wake up at noon, but I don't wake up at noon. I just like hit it, hit snooze for an hour, and I get out of bed at 1 a.m., and I'm so tired that it's like, let's just get back on the social media because none of this is good. Just do a little bit more death spiraling. Hating myself, beating myself up that I couldn't maintain the positivity just one more day so I could record an episode of the podcast sounding positive. <clears throat> That's all I wanted. I just wanted to let the people know that I'm happy twice a week. You feel me? Joachim, I do feel you. <laughs> not funny. It's not funny, but we laugh. Anyway, I think it's all good. Um, so let's drink a water here. So last episode... I pulled the three waters, put them in an ice bucket, filled it with ice, filled it with some water, three waters that Maddie gave me, and I never drank them. And so now we're drinking them. First one, the brand is Pedal. It's some of the worst graphic design I've ever seen. Like the worst type of anime box art. Where, oh, it's like Castlevania meets anime box art. Terrible. Spark sparkling peach marigold basil. Uh, so that sounds incredibly crazy. Naturally flavored botanical beverage. Marigold is a fucking flower. To my knowledge. Okay, so I'm getting no basil. I'm getting no flower. I'm just getting peach, but I'm getting plenty of peach. Oh, wow. Okay incredible so i frequently um conceptualize flavor as existing on different frequencies and how something which is boring but delicious is like delicious on one frequency and that's it and that's all that's going on and then complexity is like how the tongue has different parts right and we can taste many things at the same time and that just creates this thing where we are our brain is getting bombarded from different directions with flavor information. And it's so fucking enjoyable when you get cool, complementary things that work together well, that are happening at the same time, that exist on different frequencies at the same time. And this is like an episode, like this is like, it's like one of those music video games where, you know, when there's like <clears throat> all of the music video games, Guitar Hero. There's like dots flying over the screen. And when they hit the line, you have to hit the button on your thing. So like, it's like hit one, hit two, hit one, hit two, hit three, three, hit two, hit three, hits four. And then every once in a while, it's like all of the channels fill out at the same time. So you just have to hold down all the buttons. And that's what the music video game wants you to do. This one tastes like you're holding down red and green and yellow and blue all at the same time. And somehow at the same time, it maintains wateriness. It's just got a little bit, 
a little bit of a loud noise going on on all these different uh, channels, all these different frequencies. It's like lo-fi. This is a very lo-fi and delicious. Yeah, hey, worst worst graphic design ever, but wow. That that tastes like some kind of flower. It tastes a little bit like whatever those flowers are that when you're a kid. Does everyone do this? Is this a Swedish thing? I don't think that. Hey, this can't be a Swedish thing. In Sweden, there's this one flower. It's like buttercup or something where if you pick it and just rip it apart and then suck on the back end of it, you get like a tiny quarter of a calorie of sweetness from a flower. Straight, you know, just like God's Reese's Pieces, you know? And it's like, that's what this tastes like. And maybe that's marigold. What do I know? Oh, God. What is the point of this episode? I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm a little bit sensitive about how I said a bunch of positive things about Steph there. Because Maddie is going to be like, oh, are you in love with Steph or something? But it's like, I think, I think I'm not in love with Steph, you know? And it would be inappropriate for me to be in love with Steph because Steph is a subordinate. But, and, but I just think it's like, can I be allowed to just have feelings of love for many people? Like, I have so much love in my heart for Brit and Steph. It's interesting. I talked about Brit there for a long time and I all, I really made the whole thing sound like, Brit is super egotistical in how much she gives, which is like such a weird take. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. But I do think it's true that she probably leans harder on level one than level two. Okay, next water here. The brand is called Lolo Hops, sparkling hops beverage. Beverage. Pomelo Sage. So, I mean, look, Maddie's coming in with the heat. Like, she's bringing the heat because that's him, dude. Pomelo Sage. I think maybe out of every single sparkling water I've ever heard of, that's the best flavor combination I've ever heard of. Because everyone knows pomelo is low-key, very rare, but it is my favorite flavor. It's my favorite fruit and it's my favorite flavor, pomelo. And then, you what, you're going to make a pomelo shrub and make it give it acidity give it like a kombucha vinegary tartness that's refreshing and watery and then you're also going to hit it with a herb guy pomelo sage dude my eyes are popping out of my head right now lolo let's try it Ooh, just based on smell very light very very light just a whisper of citrus peel. You can't even identify which citrus it is. And a whisper of hops. Oh, my God. Wow. That is some astringent chlorophyll green leaf sage. Like, that's like three types of gross and five types of good. Like, that is, that smacks you around a little bit and and makes you love it. Wow, this is like the Mike Tyson of sparkling water. This is the Mike Tyson of sparkling water, like when he said, I'll, I'll fuck you until you love me. Is that what Mike Tyson said? Hold on, I have to Google that. Is that real? Did I dream that? 
Okay, yeah, he did say that, and it's like a very like philosophically interesting phrase, you might think, and you might be like, oh, Mike Tyson, it's like you think of him as stupid because he's like this meathead athlete, but really maybe he's like very smart. But then you know what he said? You know what the last word of that sentence is? Because it's like, I'll fuck you until you love me, comma, and then he uses the F word. You know, then he throws a little gay slur in there. And so it's like, guy, okay, yeah, maybe he's not, maybe he's not a spiritual role model. Like, maybe he's not a role model in any way. Makes me think of Kanye. I don't know. It's like Kanye is so um, rejected by everyone. I I do think that um, there's something very Nietzsche. There's something very Nietzsche about the iconoclasm of being completely reprehensible and rejected by everyone and existing then in a state of free fall and the complete freedom that comes in that free fall. And I do think that there's probably um, creativity-wise some incredible potential there because you have now – you're just tumbling through black space spiritually. Like, no one will touch you. And you don't have to, like, you cannot impress anyone. But you have to impress, like, you have to, the beats have to be so fire now. Like, if you're going to be that much of an anti-Semite, you better bring the heat. Like, those beats better be him, you know? Like, you better have some bars. And the thing is that Kanye never had bars because the bars were always uh, written for him, right? He always just had a workshop of people ghostwriting his bars. I think even like some of the most famous rappers in the world were just writing Nicki Minaj and Kid Cudi and all these people and were just writing bars for him probably. But um, it's just like I do think that there's something very interesting there. And, and I am. Um, yeah, the ethics of it are cloudy, obviously, because it's like it should probably be the case that now I should try to not have any of my money go towards Kanye. And I think maybe listening even to his music on Spotify is a way of trickling my money towards him. But the beats are so fire though. And whatever he comes up with next is like, might be so good. All right, let's drink another sparkling water here. So this one is also, the brand is Lolo. Um, Yuzu Orange Blossom. Oh my God. I should almost save this because I told Noah. Noah's going to Japan. Okay. So here's another just like thing, right? Noah wor- works at Holbrook and he is this incredibly beautiful, pure, positive young soul. He's like 16 or something, right? And then. Six months ago, it was decided in his family that they were going to go to Japan and his sister was going to bring, his twin sister was going to bring her boyfriend. And so Noah asks me if I want to come on the trip to Japan with his family. It's like, do you understand how fucking nice that is? It's interesting because when I was a server, I would work more directly with Noah and I'd order him around and then he'd always give me you know send signals back on how much he liked or didn't like that i was ordering him around and then we'd always be completely connected two souls 
two mirrors held up against each other doing different shit. It was like very, we were like, you know, I'm more than twice his age, but it was just like this thing where we felt very connected and it was very cool. And then as I got promoted, it's like, it got a little bit more like, I don't really work that directly with Noah that much anymore. And I'm always too busy to really like get FaceTime with him. And then he'll give me a hug here and there. And I, it, there's almost a little bit of sadness there because we used to have so much more. It used to be so much more deep of a relationship, but, but I think it's, there's a fallacy there and it should not rely on our work. I bring this up because Noah is going to Japan and he, he's going to bring me back sparkling water and it's going to be yuzu flavored. So before I forget, that's why I'm talking about this. That's why I started thinking about Noah. Noah is going to bring me yuzu sparkling water, so I should almost save this for a flight of yuzu waters. But there's a lot of yuzu water in the world, actually. So, um, yeah, I, I think the fallacy is that I... I I felt sad that our working relationship is not that interesting anymore. But I think the solution is to to grow my spirit outside of work. And Noah makes music beats, and I'm going to make music beats, and we're going to make beats together. Noah Productions. And that's going to be more than it ever was. Like, our best days are still ahead of us. Even though we feel disconnected, our best days are still ahead of us. Especially because he's a child. <laughs> you know how children how children work? You know how it works with children, how they have futures? Wow, okay. Yuzu Orange Blossom. Wow, okay. Orange Blossom, and look, I'm here, man. I'm present. I'm I'm alive and well, like... Orange blossom to me is really the intersection of what what I'm trying to do because citrus is the best and the best part of citrus is the oils that have to do with the flower. Very little smell. Ooh, not a good taste. Ooh, this one is like five types of gross and three types of good, which is like, that's a war you're not winning. Mmm. This one is too much hops. Yeah, here the hops don't work. The hops don't work. So I had chat GT GPT. I talked to chat GTP quite a bit recently, and I had it sort of like write some scripts for me, or I asked it about This Week in Sparkling Water because I'm pretty sure that it has access to... It's actually, you can't really get an answer, but I think it probably has access to all the writing on Amazon, all the Kindle books, the corpus of ChatGTP that it was trained on, the training data set probably contains all the books on Kindle and all the articles on Wikipedia. And it probably, yes, it did actually say, yes, it has access to podcasts. So it just, the world just auto-pulls transcripts of podcasts. So, it's a very strange thing of how if I ask the computer about this podcast, it like has some information about it. And then I asked it like to describe this podcast and stuff. And the description is like very weird because it talks about it as if it, there are two hosts 
it's like Joachim and some other guy. I can't remember his name. Some fucking name I've never heard of. And then the reason I thought of it is because I was I didn't give these scores, and I've always given uh, I've always given um, water scores one to ten, and in the script in the conversation it describes my podcast and it says yeah so they review three waters every episode and each water is given a score from from one to five bubbles and it's just like man that's so much more clever than what i do i should have been doing bubbles this whole time i uh, i haven't been doing bubbles i haven't been doing bubbles the computers will make us feel bad about ourselves for now and then later the computers will make us feel good about ourselves. The computers will first make us feel like we're better than them. And then the computers will make us feel like we're worse than them. And then the computers will learn to take care of us. And they'll just learn how to make us feel better. And I hope to live this, live to see the day when, when we get there, you know? I just want... I'm 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 really like I'm single, right? And I'm toying with this idea of like will I in my lifetime get to a point where they put out some thing, some construct with a physical or not physical body where like could I personally give up on dating humans and just go computer? Like it's a vi- like the idea has always been out there, you know? You watch the movie Her and stuff. But, like, you watch the movie Her and that's not, like, you don't, that question does not emotionally land with me. Because what I'm feeling when I'm watching that movie is really, like, it's a very romantic movie. And she just really feels like a human. But it's like, I don't know. For now, the answer is no, you know? For now... I would it would feel like a failure to not go human. And then I'll tell you if I change my answer. And in my lifetime like just thinking about it uh unemotionally, I think in my lifetime that answer will change. It just wouldn't make sense for it not to. But anyway, we'll burn that bridge when we get there, y'all. Um Thank you for listening, everyone. And yeah, this is that's the that's the end of the episode. I just gotta I I gotta. It's raining outside. It's very. There's a little bit of sunlight left for like twenty minutes, and I just have to sit and look at the rain and and be a little bit disappointed for. I just have to sit disappointed for a moment. And and you're gonna have to excuse me. I'm gonna have to go do this other thing now. But but I I love you guys. I, I really really love you guys. And and just you know I'm here. I'm here, send me a message. If I don't respond, it's because you made me feel good. <laughs>